Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Kendra Petroni and today we're putting the spotlight on Julia Powell, a Cambridge-based Yale graduate with a law degree from Stanford who basically weaned herself from a traditional, successful, but yet unfulfilling day job as an attorney to become one of Boston's most prominent artists. Hi, Julia, and good morning. Hi, good morning to you. <laughs> All right, well, let's start this journey with Yale and then Stanford, because putting those two in one sentence to me is like, I feel special just saying it. When you got to Yale, what did you think you were going to do career-wise? Did you already know? Was it already something that was set from the time you were a little girl and was practicing law later on, something that you already knew was going to be part of your career path? Um, I not really in terms of law. I would say the thing that I knew or thought I knew was that um, I came from an academic high-achieving family and getting a graduate degree in something that could lead to a career that would be, you know, financially and mm-hmm. um, individually sort of satisfying and successful. I knew that was kind of the path. And so doing well at Yale was important because I wanted to go to some kind of graduate school. And mm-hmm. I don't know, law school was definitely one option, but it wasn't like the first thing. So you graduate from Stanford, you get a law degree, you start practicing law. What moment do you realize that, you know, you're doing this job, it's something you're good at, something you're successful at. What makes you take that turn to go into art and to painting. Tell us about that that moment or that feeling that sort of made you go, mm, you know what, maybe I need something different. Yeah, sure. So there were two pivots. One was I was practicing at a big corporate law firm in New York City, um, which uh, just requires a lot of hours and the work isn't that mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and I decided that I would move back closer to home uh, just in time for all the Boston sports teams to start to do very well. Oh, how perfect. So that was nice. <laughs> um, trust me, being in New York in 2007, 2010. Oh, I can't imagine. I know. I, I went tough. to UMass Amherst <laughs> from 2000 to 2005, and a couple of those 2003, <laughs> 2004 Red Sox-Yankees battles oh, were, yeah. you know, and it's out west, so there's a lot of New York, Connecticut. Yep. So it doesn't really go that well no, for you. <laughs> no, so I came back, which was uh, nice. We started dominating. And I worked at a smaller law firm. It was just me and my boss, and he was fabulous. Uh, I love him. He's still a very close friend. And I just did family law. Uh, divorces, kind of real estate, wills, mm-hmm. trust, and estates, that sort of thing. And that kind of was a little bit of a winding down from the intensity of New York. And then a few years into that, I have two older brothers, and they're both fabulous, and they've always had my back about everything. And one of them, Ali, gave me an easel and oil paints for Christmas one year. And he said, I think you're really talented, and I think you should pursue this. 
And I remember laughing because I had a really good job and I didn't quite know what he was talking about and I had never, ever used oil paints. I was going to say, had you ever, did you paint as a kid? Was it something that you enjoyed doing when you were younger? So I did. So it was always there, but kind of in the background. So I um, watercolored a lot from about the age of seven on and I drew and doodled. And if you look at my uh, law school notes a lot of them say at the end of them they'll say criminal law or torts or property and at the bottom it just says get notes from Jameson who is a very smart kid in my class (laughs) and then they're just covered with a doodle of a shoe or a tree or a desk or someone's the back of their head so you know it was in me but I just never really thought it would lead anywhere Um, and it was really only through the encouragement of my brother both of them um that kind of got me started. And then I experimented and didn't know what I was doing and made all sorts of mistakes. And my brothers, both of them purchased a lot of my early work. Um, So that was just so sweet. I love that. I don't know (laughs) that my brothers would purchase anything that I make or tried to do. That's, that's really amazing. And I was reading a couple articles about you um, in Exhale magazine. And I read that you, you know, you say you're self-taught, which impresses me so much that you watched videos and tutorials on how to, you know, properly sketch or paint. And I'm thinking like, self-taught, like, how do you do it? And your artwork is so beautiful. Um, When did you realize, when did you first realize that you could actually make some money, that you were good? I mean, that your product is, is pretty good and that you could make money doing it? Um, yeah, so I got I got really lucky, and I think it's always important to acknowledge luck um, when you're kind of on a, a path towards you know some kind of success because there's so many talented artists out there who mm-hmm. are not selling their work for you know what I think it deserves to be sold for, and it's just kind of luck, you know, in, in right. lots of ways. Um, I painted for I was painting for about six months, still working full time as a lawyer. And um, I had a friend from the age of 12 or 13 who's a somewhat famous actress, or I think she's very famous, mm-hmm. but, um, Mindy Kaling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think we, I think we know who she yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and she's phenomenally talented, and she's one of my closest friends. And she was here speaking at, uh, I think, Harvard Law School's commencement on their class day. So she came by my house to hang with my mom and see oh me. Oh, my God. And she saw this little sort of makeshift studio and was like, what is this? Like, who who's painting? And I was like, well, actually, I I'm sort of picked it up. And, <laughs> and she fell in love with a couple of pieces. There was a yeah. yellow barn and these boats. And she wanted to purchase them for her show, which was the Mindy Project. Oh, my gosh. And um, I remember she, she said, well, okay, how much is it? And I remember I said $50, which is crazy because it doesn't even cover the cost of supplies. I was going to say, and and if you're not, this isn't something you'd already been doing for 20 years. How do you know what to price and how to price things and how to make a profit? Right. And and traditionally, actually, female artists undervalue their work and underprice their work Mm -hmm. and male artists overvalue and overprice their work. And so at least at that early stage, I was kind of falling into that. And she said, oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, You know, I'll pay 500. Wow. And it was a small piece and now that piece would my with my prices would 
probably be, you know, four or five times that. Wow. But at the time, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I should really value my work that way. Yep. And she she bought the piece and she put it on her show. And then she told me I should get on something called Instagram, which I cluelessly had no idea what that was. And I went on Instagram and started to try to build up my account. Mm-hmm. And that kind of started it. Um, but honestly, it was more her faith and belief in me because she's so talented herself and she doesn't, you know. Well, it's somebody else coming in saying somebody that you look at as a, as a success and you're and here she is coming in saying, oh, no, this is the value is extreme. I mean, you're, you're really good at yeah. this. And it is that little bit of confidence and little bit of of that side boosting from a friend or, you know, relative or whoever it is matters. I mean, it makes a huge difference. Exactly. And and she is not someone who will say something's good if it's not good. Right. <laughs> I, I would believe that she'd be pretty spot <laughs> on. do that. Right. So, um, so that kind of gave me some confidence and I just kind of continued to invest in myself and invest in Instagram, which I thought at the time might be more of a path to connecting with direct buyers mm-hmm. than the gallery system. Right. Um, and being represented by a gallery was also really important to me, but I just I just thought it, wow, this medium might be this might be something. And so I invested a lot in Instagram and that has helped me tremendously with selling. Well, if you're just waking up and tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. And we've been chatting with Cambridge-based artist Julia Powell, who began her career path as a Yale graduate with a law degree from Stanford, but has now turned her hobby of painting into a very successful way of life. Let's get back to our conversation. I want to go back on the social media thing, too, because when I, I had met you at the um, recent Exhale Magazine event, and you you talked about finding your way on Instagram and how you you'd spend hours a day liking commenting interacting with other artists you have close to a hundred if you may even have over a hundred thousand followers now what and how and please teach me what how do you do it I mean and I've, I've looked at all of your posts on Instagram and everything is so cool and so in so beautifully done you don't overword things you don't overly hashtag things. I mean, you've you've got it down to a, a real science. Does social media, I know you started to talk about it um, just a few minutes ago, but do you think it's better to show off your artwork to all of your followers? Is that more beneficial as an artist? Because I always wonder, do you want some things to be left secret so someone has to go into a place or is that sort of a dated thing to actually go into a you know, a museum and, and see it for the first time? Or is it better to know what you're buying or what you would want to buy beforehand? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And thank you for your kind words. I'm about 900 followers away from 100K. So oh, you'll have it by the end of this interview, for sure. Please, I mean, please, my goodness. Um, I think that the difference between seeing a piece uh, on a little screen and seeing it in person is so dramatic that even if you've seen it before, it's almost like a teaser. Anyone who's seen kind of a Van Gogh or a Monet in person, not that I'm comparing myself to them, but just the texture and the colors, it's so hard to capture on a small screen. And texture is really important in my work, and it's just almost impossible to show it via Instagram. So I feel like I'm not kind of ruining anything for people who right. would want to come. It's it is that's a good way to put it. It's a nice, it's a teaser because I would imagine up close you can see things that you can't really get out of 
you know, a two-dimensional picture on exactly. on Instagram, right? What's astonishing to me is, um, you know, the vast majority of my clients don't ever see a piece in person before they purchase. So ah. most of my clients are not uh, New England or Massachusetts based. And so that is so interesting. And I will do everything to give them a sense of the piece. I'll uh, video it, take multiple angles. Wow. But really, they they don't. It's kind of sight unseen, and then they see the piece in person. Um, but so far, I haven't had anyone. At least, <laughs> at least they haven't told me that they are dissatisfied with. Oh that. no! You, I mean, and I I wanted to very quickly go back to the three Bs. I love this: birches, boats, and barns. <laughs> Is that that's basically what your style sort of leans towards when you're when you're painting and everything you do is so beautiful my oh, god I would you. fill my whole house with your artwork it's just it's so natural and sort of genuine and easy it doesn't look and this may not sound right but it doesn't sound high maintenance it doesn't yeah. it doesn't look like it's something that you know you would have to be this super fancy I mean you could be anyone and own a piece of your artwork and it's just it they're so beautiful really um but why the why the three Bs? Why birches, boats, and barns? I mean, is that <laughs> well? That I mean, it's somewhat dated because I've moved on in, in certain directions. But um, everyone loves alliteration, so I, I think right, that's of course, part of yeah. it. But um, in the beginning, I think particularly the boats and the birches were what helped my career take off. Um, I did a whole series of winter birches, and then I did a series of colorful boats. And they're this blend of abstract and realism that I think people like. So it's almost like um, a contemporary impressionism mm -hmm. um, where you it doesn't feel so abstract that it it's kind of hard to conceptualize right. or people think, well, I don't know if that should be in my home because right. I'm a little more traditional. But it pushes the boundary a little bit so that it feels like an updated version of um, maybe an older painting. And... Those were just two two things that I always gravitated towards. I go to Maine in the summer, very much like a New England kid who has yep. friends in the Cape and New Hampshire and Vermont. And so being outdoors in the summer, being on the water, and then kind of taking long walks in the winter, birches and boats just it's always the, sort yeah. of stuck in my mind. Do you? How often do you paint? Do you paint every day? Every day, yeah. Wow. And how... On average, does it take you most of the day to do one painting, or can you do multiple? I'm always fascinated with artists that, that have a talent like yours. Like, How many can you do in one day on a blank canvas? So it completely depends. I do watercolor and oil. Uh, watercolor generally takes a lot less time, so I can finish a watercolor in three or four hours. Wow. Some of my large-scale oil paintings will take three months. It's not like I'm working 10 oh, hours a wow. day on one painting but they because of drying and because of kind of complexity of like adding texture it can take a very long time but um you know I like to work and I'm used to being a lawyer so well <laughs> I'm just listening to you talk about what you're doing now and you're doing it so well and so successfully I'm trying I'm thinking like oh my gosh she was an attorney like you are like a one-woman show of, of power to me I, I I'm so fascinated by you and I, I want to get into this, too, because I think this is also a part of you that is amazing for, for me to know. Um, in addition to being self-taught, you also donate a portion of your profits to two organizations. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about these two organizations and maybe why you chose them? Sure. Um, so I donate to the National Resources Defense Council, which is uh, basically just protecting a lot of 
uh, land in mm-hmm. the country. And um, right now, personally, I don't like the direction that we've gone in terms of the environment and protecting mm-hmm. the environment and climate change. And so that's really important to me. Um, and the second organization is an organization called Agora Partnerships, and they do basically kind of entrepreneurship counseling for small businesses in Latin America, mostly run by women, because generally when you um, mm-hmm. invest in a woman in Latin America, there's just more of a chance of success. All um, right. And um, so it's, <laughs> it's uh, so those are the two organizations, um, and I think empowering women in the third world and protecting That's the great. environment are just two great causes. And then in addition to that, I always... I, maybe every year there's about 10 nonprofits in the Boston area where I'll donate a painting That's that great. can go up for auction. And there are museums that I do and then just, you know, anything that everyone can get behind, like, yep. you know, trying to it's a no-brainer. breast cancer or right. something like that. Um, why not do it, right? That's right. Well, if you're just waking up and tuning in, you've been listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. And we've been talking with Cambridge-based artist Julia Powell, who, after graduating from Yale and getting a law degree from Stanford, decided that her talent and love for painting was her reality. She is now one of the most successful artists in the Boston area. Let's continue our conversation. So we just have a few minutes left. Um, I want to go back to something you said earlier in the interview. Uh, When I met you at the Exhale Magazine event a few weeks ago, you brought up a very humbling point. You said to the women in the audience, you know, something like, don't be fooled. Not every hobby you have is going to make you a lot of money. It's a great idea. And if you have a passion for something, you should go for it. But be realistic. Understand that not everyone has the luck. I think that's the word you used, and is as lucky as maybe you have been. So, what what would you give for advice to those women that we have listening, or even men that we have listening? You know, if they have a passion for something and say they're good at something, they have a talent, and maybe it's not the career path they're in right now. What advice would you give for them if they want to branch off and do something where they sort of have the confidence, thinking? Maybe I could, but who knows? What would you say to them? Well, I would, first of all, evaluate what your financial needs are, right? Like if you have three Mm -hmm. children or you're the primary breadwinner or you have a mortgage, Mm -hmm. you know, you just have to pay attention to that stuff. It sounds really boring and really adult, but it's... But it's true. It's true. Right. Particularly for Boston area people because it's so expensive to live around here. Um, I would not have quit my job as a lawyer if I hadn't been successfully selling paintings and earning more money as a as an artist mm-hmm. for over a year, I never would have done it. And so there's a lot of people will say, "Oh, it's so brave and courageous. You followed your truth." But you were a little safe in that you kept a base yeah. going while you were there's doing no it. There's no way that I could have. I mean, I I couldn't have done it for a while anyway because I was paying off loans for school. Right. And then once I paid those off, I had a little bit more flexibility, but not so much flexibility. And so um, I think if you have an independent source of income or if your partner is the primary breadwinner, that might open up more mm-hmm. doors. But um, be realistic. It's really it's really hard to succeed in the creative industries, anything mm-hmm. that you're doing, yeah. a musician or an artist or what have you. And um, I still have my law license because I, love it. I just, I, you well, know. Well, you never know. You What's, never know. And I haven't practiced smart. in a couple of years, but... You know, you just never know. So um, I count my blessings that I can still do this and I'm still able to support myself. But um, what's I, your I, I was just just going to ask you, what 
is there something you haven't done yet with your paintings? Is there, do you have a goal, something in mind that you want, you know, in the future to accomplish, whether it be a specific type of painting or getting into a certain museum or a certain area? Yeah. What is your, your ultimate goal as an artist? I would love to have a show in a museum. It would be great to open in a Boston-based museum. You know, the ICA or mm-hmm. the MFA is, excuse, a little older, but, you know, Peabody Essex. Yep. I would love to have a show in a museum. Oh, I, I think that's, you're going to be there, like, <laughs> very that's soon. Very kind. Um, and speaking of that, where so if people are listening now, where can they find or buy your paintings? What's the best avenue for them to take? Would it be Instagram? Do you do you work with local area museums at all? Where can we find your paintings if we want to? If we want to buy them. So Instagram, my hashtag is Julia S. Powell Art. And I'm verified. There's a blue check. So you can hopefully find me. I know. And you got the blue check. Like, <laughs> what am I doing wrong? You have everything. I'm, I love you. You're and amazing. Then my website is um, www.juliaspowell.com. Well, this is great. Well, thank you, Julia Powell, for being in the spotlight today on Exceptional Women. We talk to celebrities and CEOs, but we're also interested in your neighbors, coworkers, and friends who are quietly making an impact in their communities. Email us if you know someone that you'd like to suggest. We'd love to hear from you. And be sure to join us every Sunday morning at 7.30 for another edition of Exceptional Women. Thanks for listening and have a great day, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.